Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Four Pillars Fitness Podcast. This is Coach Phil Houston from CoachPhilHouston.com. And today's podcast episode is titled, this is episode four, it's titled Seven Habits of Highly Effective Chipmunks with uh, all due respect to Stephen Covey. Um, my wife and I live in a uh, townhouse community in a sub-suburban area of New Jersey. It's, uh, I wouldn't exactly call it a suburb of Philadelphia, but we're you know, maybe an hour from Philly and about an hour and change from New York City. So we're kind of in that that sweet little corner right by the ocean. Um, everything's kind of wooded here uh, behind our house. We, we live in a townhome community. We've got a uh, kind of a gently sloping semi-wooded area with uh, some mature, you know, pretty good sized oak trees and elm trees and uh, other sorts of uh, uh, pretty big leafy trees. Um, you know, maybe we've got some maples and things like that, dogwood. Some, it's, it's pretty nice back there. Uh, we've also got some coniferous stuff, you know, your pine, your cedar trees and some shrubs. Uh, got some nice arborvita back there. You know, it's just it's nice, right? It's real kind of suburban heaven, if, if you will. Um, it's got just enough wild in it for most people's taste. And it's a really comfortable place to sit on a patio, have some coffee or maybe a cocktail at the end of the week. Um, we've got a really pretty broad variety of wildlife back there as well. Um, it's really there's a lot of it that's native to this particular wooded bit of suburban serenity. Um, you know, the birds, we've got uh, a lot of bird varieties, doves, robins, blue jays, um, carnivals, uh, car- cardinals, uh, yeah, carnivals too, right? Cardinals, uh, meadowlarks, um, we even got some woodpeckers and hummingbirds, pretty cool stuff. Um, we even spotted a bird this spring called an Eastern Towie. I'd never heard of this thing before, but it's a, uh, white bird about the size of a blue jay with, uh, black and, and orange on them. So and kind of squared off, like all the colors are kind of neatly squared off on them. Cool looking bird. You can look it up. It's T-O-W-H-E-E. Um, we've also got a bunch of ground animals. So some furry critters, squirrels, rabbits. Um, I actually spotted a baby groundhog hang, hanging out of my patio about two weeks ago. Um, yeah, I guess he couldn't figure out where he was. Um, and we've got a really successful community of chipmunks. And I mean, like dozens of them. They're everywhere. Um, and they've, they've been grown over the course of the years. Um, if your only familiarity with chipmunks is from Disney films and shows, they don't look like Alvin and his brothers. Um, on my blog in, in a couple of days, uh, two days from now, there'll be a uh, kind of a transcript of this uh, podcast. You can go check it out if you've never seen a chipmunk or you can just Google it. You know, you know how that works. Um, they're cute little critters I and mean, little guys, little stripes on their back and, you know, cute little teeth and stuff on them. Um, they're the biggest ones that we've seen in our, in our backyard. I would say a good, you know, maybe half the size of a squirrel. A small squirrel um, and our big squirrels could probably backhand them right the next week. I mean, that's about how big they are. Um, but don't make any mistake about it. Look, these, these are really effective mammalian life forms, right? Like they're getting, they're getting it done. Um, they're thriving no matter how much competition there is, how crowded things get in our townhouse development, how many other animals are out there. Um, they'll survive whether we feed them or not. Like they, they really can get it done. We feed them. We love our animals. Uh, I guess we're suckers that way, but uh, whichever they, they really are getting it done. So, you know, I walk pretty much every day. I see them all over the place. And I always ask myself, wow, like, how do they to be so many chipmunks, you know? And so I ask myself, what is it about them that lets them be so successful and do it really with seeming ease? Because, you know, there's a lot of competition for food in our neighborhood and our, in our development um, and in nature in, in general. And they're little bitty critters. You know, you say to yourself, these are like, you know, they're food for someone, you know? Um, so, you know, I came up with seven things and I call them the seven habits of highly effective chipmunks. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not what Stephen Covey had in mind, but that's okay. I'm sure he wouldn't mind in no particular order of importance here, except for the very last one. I'm going to lay out this, my, my list for you. Number one, they're adaptable. 
Um, these little guys manage to take care of business and, and explore their world no matter what the weather looks like. We see them in the snow. We see them in the rain. We see them in thunderstorms. I mean, they're, they're getting it done. When it's raining, they just move as much as they can under the bushes so they don't get wet. And they go under our grill and our tables and chairs. Uh, they'll even crawl under covers to get across our, our patio um, if we leave something on the ground, if it's raining or snowing out. So they're really clever about that. Um, the same thing when the hawk is around. We've got a couple of red-tailed hawks. I guess they're called chicken hawks in this area. Um, maybe three or four pairs uh, living in our entire neighborhood, and they're they're pretty big and they're and they're pretty voracious, vicious hunters. They're they're, they're good. We see them pick off birds and squ- uh, squirrels all the time. Um, in fact, a couple of years back, one of them picked off a morning dove right against our slider door. It left an impression of the dove on our door. It was pretty kind of kind of creepy and eerie. Um, but it was up there for quite a while. We couldn't get it off, but. So we do have some hawks, and uh, when they're out there, these guys will play the duck and cover game, and, and but it, but nothing changes. They're still going about their business. They're still eating. They're still getting their stuff done. We'll usually see when there's a hawk around, one of them acting kind of as a lookout. He'll kind of hide in between our planters where the hawk can't get at him too easily, and he's kind of scanning and looking around and making sure things cool while two or three others are out there eating, um, and they're packing themselves full of seeds to get it done. Um, and you know, sometimes he'll make a noise and everybody will scatter. And then a few minutes later, they come back and they start the whole process all over again. So complaining about the weather, complaining about the hawk, complaining about the competition, not really for them. They're just going to adjust, adapt and overcome. So the lesson for us here is spend more time thinking about how to take advantage of a disadvantage than you do complaining about it. So you can complain about something sucking out oh, traffic sucks. This sucks. Hey, if you, if the traffic sucks, here's what you do. You just pop and pop in a tape or listen to a podcast or get listen to my podcast. Get something done while you're while you're in traffic and you, you're kind of stuck there. OK, don't just let yourself be caught in traffic, getting nothing done. You can complain about the traffic or you can get something done. All right. You can complain about your situation or you can figure out a way to take advantage of it. Get something done in spite of the adversity. Adversity. Number two, they take some risks. So we've got this shepherd's hook out back. And if you don't know what that is, it didn't. If you ever seen a picture of a shepherd, he's got a crook in his hand. That's what it looks like. It really does. It's a big staff that you stick in the ground. And it's got a hook on one end that you can hang a suet cage from or anything. You can hang planters from that. Uh, we have one stuck on our big planter box where our rose bush is. And on that, on that hook, we put a suet cage, which we try to keep filled because the animals love it. And it really attracts some gorgeous birds. Um, the squirrels will climb up there, get up, up past the curve port part and hang upside down like gymnasts to eat that suet. And really, they're, they're kind of pigs, and the birds let them know about it pretty often. But we've never seen a chipmunk go up there until recently. It is just this week. We had one little gussy guy climb that thing, got up there, and I think, you know, kind of got up there and thought to himself, you know, before he headed up, he's like, why would I wait for the sewer to fall down? I'll just, I'll just go to the source. And when he got made his way up there and got to the curve, I think he realized that the squirrels are bigger than he is, and he just can't reach that sewer cage. But while he was up there, I noticed something. He was eyeballing that sewer cage and looking around. And it reminded me of something I heard once, heard said once, don't get to the top of the mountain so everyone can see you. Get to the top of the mountain so you can see everyone and everything. And I kind of think when he got up there, he's looking up there and checking out that cage and thinking, all right, I'm up here now. How do I do this? You know, and he decided he couldn't do it and he made his way down. We were worried about where he's going to be able to get down or not, but he did. But here's the thing. He's looking at that suet and saying, hey, man, I, I know where it is now. You know, maybe I'll figure this out. So the lesson for us is take a chance and see if you can't get some new perspective. 
Um, see if you can learn something about yourself and your world when you try something new or you try something that's familiar, but in a new way. So he could have waited for that suit to fall to the ground, but he tried to go after it and go get it up on that shepherd's hook. It didn't work out for him this time, but I have a feeling I'm going to look out there one of these days and see him getting it done. Number three, they have some fun. I don't know if this is literally true, but man, they always look happy. You know, they just have that look on their face that says, hey, we're happy, you know. Um, probably my own projection, maybe too much Disney in my youth, but they look like they're grinning an awful lot. So, and they play, they chase each other. They leap from bush to bush. They, they play fight. They roll around together. Um, they jump on tables and chairs, whatever. I absolutely realize that for them, play is a survival tool or part of the mating ritual. But think about this. Why isn't play part of our survival toolbox? Why isn't play part of our our mating rituals? It really is in some ways, and for some people it is, but not for everybody. Play is a part of our evolution. It's being forcibly evolved out of us. And it sure doesn't seem to me like we're any happier, healthier, or more prosperous because of it. So the lesson for us is really simple. Go play. Run around like a nut. Dance in the rain. Stomp some puddles. Skip rope. Climb a tree. Play hopscotch. Have a pillow fight. Real physical play. Just go go play, have fun. You'll feel better. And you're likely to do us as a, a favor as a species, at least speaking from an evolutionary standpoint. Number four, they're industrious. I mean, come on, I don't even think I have to say this. If you know anything about them, you know that they burrow like crazy, right? I watched a chipmunk going back and forth one day between our sunflower seed pile and where he burrows for almost 15 minutes. He might have made 20 trips. And every trip to that burrow, those cheeks were st- Stuffed full of full of seeds. So you know he was just stuffing those burrows full of seeds. And they can burrow. A couple of years back, we had to dig out that big planter that has our rose bush in it. It's about four by four by three feet deep. So four foot by four foot by three foot deep. And we found no fewer than 20 burrows in that small space, 20 individual burrows we dug out. And every one of them was packed with seeds and peanuts, fur, all, all kinds of stuff that was lining it. It's pretty impressive, really. I mean, I'm not going to say I wasn't impressed. I was. And so the lesson's really simple. Be industrious. Don't be afraid to work. You know, do the job right, and it'll last. I mean, I love the Mike Rowe Foundation for this. He's talking about bringing work back to people, right? Getting people involved in trade schools and vocations. And I think that all that is great, but don't be afraid to put some work in, get your hands dirty, and dig in. Habit number five of highly effective chipmunks. They save for the future. Think about the two stories I just shared. The one chipmunk running back and forth to his burrow, packing it with seeds, and the way we found those burrows, right? Both examples of this habit. Chipmunks will stuff themselves with seeds and suet, but not before they've taken a whole bunch of it, of whatever they're eating, back to their burrows. So as a gardener, I've dug out lots of chipmunk burrows and burrows of all kinds in my lifetime. I've never once found an empty one. I've never found critters in there, but I've always found seeds and other kinds of stuff in there that you would expect to find in a place where these guys were living. So they're pretty industrious and they like to get their stuff. I, I like to say, I always find chip monkey materials in there. They're relent, relentless savers. Um, we actually observed two baby chipmunks this summer, earlier this summer, doing the same thing, packing their burrow full of stuff and, and then eating, you know, eating as well. Twofold lesson here then, right? Save for the future and teach your kids to do the same. Teach your kids to do the same, right? Good stuff there. Um, Lesson number six, of, or I say habit number six of highly effective chipmunks, they communicate. So we hear them chittering all the time. We hear them chirping and chittering out back, and, and they actually kind of take turns. It's really kind of cool. And I used to joke about it, saying it's a conversation. Then I read a story 
um, about research to animal communications. And I have the link will be on my website in uh, this story. Uh, it's a really long link. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to read it to you. But if you um, if you just Google animal conversations, a story on BT.com, home.bt.com will pop up. Um, and if you check that out, they talk. These scientists did research about the amount of time uh, that was that it took place between sounds from different animals. And that they also they discovered that every every animal has a different frequency of communication when they're communicating with each other. And one of the cool things they found that led them to believe they were having actually having conversations, so to speak, was that when um, one animal spoke over another, the other animal stopped talking. And either left or just stopped communicating. So kind of a cool thing, you know. Um, so, sometimes we'll hear a particular kind of chitter uh, or a particular kind of noise and notice something specific, like we like the hawk example, uh, when it, a warning chitter sounds different than just your average chitter. So it's clear that they have different kinds of communication. And we know that about other animals, right? Dolphins and whales and things like that. So communication is important that are survival, uh, for sure. But watching them, you easily get a sense that they're communicating because they can not just because they have to. And uh, how often do we take communication so much for granted that we ignore the beauty and that shared experience of the world that comes with communicating with other people? You know, we kind of sometimes do it because we have to. Oh, I don't want to talk to anybody today. Oh, you know what? If you if you have a conversation with somebody, you might learn something. You might enjoy something. You might just get a laugh out of it, right? You might get closer to someone. That's really important. So that's really the lesson for us is communicate meaningfully, not just in what you say, but in how you communicate with people and the time you spend with them, be present with the people you're communicating with. Make it mean something, even if the only meaning is that you connected for a brief time with someone else. If that's all that comes out of a conversation, that's that's plenty. That's plenty. And habit number seven of highly effective chipmunks. Be nice. Be nice. But don't ever be afraid to stand up for yourself. There's no denying they're cute. They're adorable. They really are. And they seem to get along with just about all the other creatures in our little backyard woodland, except for the hawks, of course, because none of, none of the animals get along with the hawks, of course. And the hawks don't get along with anybody either. But as nice as they are, sometimes things get a little tough. Someone gets a little close to your baby, things get physical. Someone threatens your burrow, and out you come, claws first. All right, that's your territory. Sometimes things escalate, and it gets really nasty, right? But when it's over, it's over. Right? They don't appear to hold grudges, quote unquote, um, although I can't say for sure. And they seem to have very short memories about minor scraps. I saw uh, a chipmunk and um, a bird, a little little chickadee kind of bird, kind of squawking at each other over some food. And like five minutes later, they were, you know, 30 seconds later, they were standing pretty much next to each other eating again. So, you know, you do what you got to do, but then you let it go. Right. So the lesson for us here is really simple. Be nice. But when the time comes. Stand up for yourself and for what's right. And definitely don't go all the way. Don't go, you know, nuclear option for just any old scrap. Do it commensurately. Don't fight necessarily, but don't take any crap either. All right. There's no need to. So that's my seven habits of highly effective chipmunks. Um, I hope you enjoyed this and maybe picked up a thing or two. Um, As always, you can reach me at CoachPhilHouston at gmail.com. Um, on Instagram at Coach Phil Houston um, and on my website at CoachPhilHouston.com and also on Facebook at Facebook slash Phil Houston, Facebook.com slash Phil Houston. Um, thanks again for listening. Oh, yeah. Almost forgot. If you're looking to get some great education in September, uh, the Elite Fitness and Performance Summit is going to be held in Indianapolis. It's a great event. 
If you go to my website, coachphilhouston.com, there's a big picture of me on the left-hand side. If you click on that, you can save 100 bucks on your ticket. I've been to this lots of times. This year, I'm speaking. I'm really honored to be speaking. Um, and if you get there, I guarantee you'll have a good time. And check, uh, look me up, and let's have a conversation. Again, Coach Phil Houston for the Four Pillar Fitness blog, uh, Podcast, signing off. Have a great day, guys.